one of the most basic concepts in economics is supply and demand, right? Uh, the more people that make something, um, the and if the you know the supply stays, if the demand stays the same, the more people make something, um, the price is going to go down. If the um, supply stays the same, the demand goes up, uh, the price is going to go up, right? And you know I, this is obviously true. I mean, it makes sense, um, but I think it's more complicated than that, and I think it's more nuanced than that. And I think you know something that kind of triggered me to, to have this isn't a complete view of the, the situation. Uh, and supply and demand is just one of the factors that goes into, you know, figuring out the price of things is, you know, with, with these lockdowns, you know, um, we've seen extreme shortages in, in almost all areas. You know, I, I, um, from ordering flooring to, uh, computer parts to furniture. Even I went to the furniture store; and they're just out, man. They have nothing. Um, so there's extreme shortages everywhere. And you know, if you look at a pure supply demand view of the world, there should be no shortages. There should be never a time when you go to a company and say, "Hey, I want to buy something," and they say, "No, nah, we don't have enough of that." And the reason is, is because if they had less, if they had uh, fewer items in stock than people were demanding, then the price would go up and suddenly less people would be demanding it. And then suddenly they'd have enough for, it'd be more expensive, but they'd have enough for everyone who wants to buy something to buy something. But instead we're looking at, you know, months wait times and price is not changing. Now I think originally my theory for this was, oh, it's, it's because all this, you know, anti-price gouging, whatever the fuck that means. Um, uh, I love predatory pricing and price gouging, both like pricing is violent, bro. <laughs> it's like, come on, man. Shut the fuck up. Um, but, uh, you know, you've made good economic decisions to supply people with what they need when they really need it. Like, you can't charge more money. Um, you've created value for people. What? Um, a lot of value. <laughs> but, um, I digress. Admiral Nelson spiced rum sounds good. I've never had spiced rum before. Imagine got some cinnamon and cardamom in there. Oh, that'd be good. Um, one of my newfound favorite drinks is a chai tea mixed with um, Irish cream. Man, that shit's insane. But uh, anyways, so yeah. So obviously, there's more to this picture, right? You know, there's more. If there would not be widespread shortages everywhere. Prices would just go up, but instead, prices are staying the same. And 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 the reason that was it was for this, you know, for all the hype about price gouging. But look, companies know all the the price gouging stuff outside of like a natural disaster. No one really gives a fuck. Um, and you just raise your prices based on how much you can charge, you know. And it's so widespread that they couldn't get everyone for price gouging. And I don't think many people were actually getting charged with price gouging. People were just like, oh, no, everyone's price gouging. Like, what? Um, you know, it's not like there's less things to go around now. That's not the problem. It's the evil evil producers who are trying to rip us off in our time of need. Um, but, uh... So, it's, I don't think it's that. I think what it is, and this is just an idea of just, you know, kind of just coming up with this today. Um... I even really thought about this today, period, is that 
a lot of pricing well A and I think that's something I already kind of knew but hadn't really thought about is pricing is really more of a matching of value scales right it's like well what determines the supply and demand well how much people are willing to produce for what price so it's really not an aspect of oh at this current moment there's this amount of supply and this amount of demand. It's like, oh, well, what's the incentive? Like, what are my, how, how, how expensive for me, my value scales, is it for me to produce? And um, how, you know, is the amount of money I can get for that production worth it to me? And vice versa on the buying side, right? You know, is, it's not like, oh, I look at the demand and supply and that determines how much the cost is for me. I mean, how much I'm willing, uh, what I'm willing to buy. You don't give a fuck about the supply and demand when you're looking at buying a goddamn product other than it being a two-month wait time to get your product. But the vast majority of the times, there's no wait times, you know, outside of this weird COVID shit. Um, You know, that's not really a concern of yours. Your concern is, is this product um, too expensive? Is it justified on my value scales to buy it, right? So what can happen, and I think what has happened you know, people are saying, well, you know what, uh, it's justified for me to buy things, right? You know, I, I'm willing, I'm looking at this piece of furniture for $1,000 and, you know, I'm in my home all the time now, so I'm, I'm willing to, to pay $1,000 for it. And a lot of people are saying that, and more people are saying that than, than um, people at the store. Well, actually, I think this is part of what's happening. So I think production lines have been so fucked up that, okay, you look at the, the people at the store and they say, well, you know what, it's it's definitely worth, the, you know, what we put in to produce a couch for $1,000. It's 100% worth it, where that's perfect. And actually, our competitors are still selling at that price because they're making bank on this too. But at the same time, it's also, um, our production lines have been so fucked up that we can only run at 50% capacity because, you know, everyone's being told to stay at home. So although it's still very economical for us to sell it at the $1,000, that makes sense on our value scales, you know, we're, we're making fucking bank even. Maybe you increase it to 1200 actually, and you're still making bank. I mean, you're, you're not still making, you're making even more bank. Um, but you realize if, I, if you go up to 1500 then suddenly you're making so much money that the other people who are also making, you know, uh, furniture um, will actually beat you out because they know that you're making money. They know you're making, you're, you're already profitable so that you don't need to move up. So they're just going to stay there. They're going to stay at that 1200 price and just, you know, get, get more customers even with the wait time. So I think that's my theory is basically both, both the value scales, the producers and the um, consumers are willing to exchange, right? You know, the producer's saying, man, I'm making hell of money on this. The consumer's saying, well, you know, I'll pay 1200 bucks for this new couch in my house. It's more valuable than being in my, my house more often. In fact, a lot more consumers are saying that. Um, but the production gets cut, right? You know, there's less that can be produced. So actually, it's almost like an anti-supply and demand thing where the, the supply goes down and it doesn't affect the price. So, you know, this could actually be an argument against supply and demand. That's crazy. Um, but I, I think valid. I think it's a valid way of looking at things and you look at how it's playing out around us and it seems true. Um, yeah. Gang gang shit.
so, um, why doesn't this happen typically, I guess, is the question, right? And I think a lot of that is because, you know, like, right, because, you know, there's, there's always, there's, there's a lot of situations, if you look at it from this angle, where the production could be, I think this is where it happens, right? If you have a monopoly, right? So let's say you're an upcoming, or not a monopoly, but if, you know, I don't think monopolies are really a thing. Um, I think there's dominant companies and in industries and in emerging industries, um, or even established industry, in, industries, but I don't think they're a bad thing. Well, I mean, I think, I think they're a thing as a sort of concept, but not in the typical connotation. I'm just going to use it because I've been reading a lot of Peter Thiel zero to one. I don't think monopolies are bad. I don't think they're even real in the, the, the scary sense, but, um, like where they control an industry, right? No one can do that. They just can have most of the customers and they can't keep out. I mean, uh, out competitors for sure. Right. So, so here's the thing. So I think the reason this happening is because it's a highly competitive, um, market, right? If you have a monopoly, I would say this quote unquote supply and demand actually makes more sense. Now I think it's still based upon the same principles, but it can start looking like supply and demand because here's what happens. Um, when you're, when you know, let's say you just dropped a new bit of technology, right? You just you just dropped the first brain human interface, and you're selling this shit for fifty thousand dollars. Well, suddenly it starts popping off the shelves, and double the people are not wanting it. A double the amount of people are wanting it. Well, you can sell that shit for a hundred thousand dollars, and still sell every unit you can produce, no problem, because there's no competitors to come in and, and compete with you. Um, Right. I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no fear of like, oh, your competitor knows that you're making, you know, $50,000 per sale straight profit and they're going to keep it lower because they can sell them for, for less profit and they kind of, you kind of keep each other down, even though the supply is, um, you know, constraining you. And I think most established markets that have multiple competitors in them, um, are so, well developed that they can respond to market, you know, most market changes that are not losing half your fucking production, um, with ease and they can adjust their supplies to the demand. Um, so you don't have this shortage appear. You just think, Oh, well, you know, the quote unquote supply and demand is matching, but really it's value scales that are matching. And it's the same thing with like, you look at products that are stay at the same price, you know, they're an even price, you know, something that's sold for a hundred dollars. Like, well, you know, really, a lot of that's perception. You know, they don't want to go higher than 100 or, you know, they don't like an uneven number and just appealing or whatever. And then it stays there for three years. It's like, this is not adjusting for supply and demand. They found a sweet spot where they make enough money and their consumers, um, you know, it's high enough on their value, consumers value skills that they'll pay for it. And they're just sticking there, man. Um, I honestly, I'm starting to think supply and demand is kind of bullshit. It's all value skills, baby. I'm sorry, I called you baby. I, I, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to infringe like that. My bad. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's the theory, man. You know why? You know, in a, in a kind of a monolithic market, one guy's kind of owns that the vast majority of it. Um, 
they can change their prices with demand increases, right? And with a restricted supply that takes a while to grow. But in well-developed markets, I mean, you really, it's, it appears to be you really can't. As long as you're still making money and, you know, your um, customers are, are happy with that price they're paying, um, you know, a price is going to increase some for sure, but they're not going to increase enough to actually cut shortages, right? They're not going to actually increase enough where you can get rid of shortages and have just expensive-ass products uh, because of this, this kind of competitive knowing that you want to keep um, even when you can't get enough, you'll be selling. Le- you'll sell less of what you have because you have competitors. If you if you actually increased your your, your prices because your competitors would take would step in and, and take over, um, and when it goes out, when when you know, let's say let's say you do. And you know what? I think I'm sure companies offer the same products for more, right? I'm sure if you paid an extra couple hundred bucks, they'd still slip you a couch, like, right now. You know what I mean? I'm sure that's possible. But for the general prices, they're going to keep them low. Um, and I think also what would happen, like, let's say you jack your prices by 200% and your, your, your buddy over here keeps them the same, but you have no wait time. You're going to have less customers. And let's say the amount of customers you have matches with what you can get in. Uh, well, you might actually make a little more money during that situation, but then when the price is, but vast, the vast majority of people are going to go over to your competitor who's still making money, but just not as stupid money as you. And then when the prices go down, um, you know, and shortages drop, pretty much everyone's just going to go over to your competitor. So, you know, I could see there's a lot of advantages from just keeping, keeping your riding the, the shortage train.